0: 20 square
1: blocks. Blocks. Blocks.
2: 20 square blocks. 20 square blocks.
1: You know when you've had one of those nights where in the early hours of the morning you find yourself pondering the big questions of life until it does your head in. Now imagine if your entire life was doing exactly that. I sat down with Ben Numquam a PhD candidate studying philosophy at Federation Uni.
2: And, uh, yeah, I occasionally teach out there too. All right, so...
0: So you were born here?
2: Yeah, that's right, yeah. In the base? Yes, I believe so, yeah.
0: And where do you go to school?
2: St Francis Xavier, little Catholic school out past um, Ballarat East.
0: I yeah. actually drive past that often.
2: Yeah, it's just a weird little private school. There was a nun there. I feel like that's so strange because it feels like that should be like a generation almost a generation back before me in a, in a way.
0: Hmm. Okay. So you got that Catholic school, but then you got one down the road that had a lot of trouble. St. Oh,
2: All right, yeah. Um which is like 5 blocks. What sort of trouble did it get into?
0: Oh, check the royal commission.
2: <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Hey, I haven't looked into the background of mine. Um
0: but no, it yeah. was fine. There was only two question marks over Ballarat. Um, St. Lipius was, was uh, one that they had trouble with and St. Pat's back in mm-hmm. nineteen seventy. Oh, you're going to love
2: where I went to high school. <laughs> yeah. Where did you go to high school? So I did go to I did go to St. Pat's. Um, mm-hmm. I finished around 2006
0: or so. Hang on, so you would know Zocchi.
2: Zocchi, uh, brother Zock. My brother, I don't think I ever had any encounter with him.
0: Jake Farley, was he still alive Yes, right?
2: he was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um,
0: we can talk afterwards because um, I was a boarder there.
2: Yeah, right. So you went to St. Pat's? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. I did not know that. That's why I'm naming these teachers. <laughs> Wow! 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 Okay, now we got something to talk about after
0: this. That's that. <laughs> we do, we, we do. Uh, so, what was there? Something there that inspired you to follow philosophy? Yeah,
2: it's it's kind of tricky because we didn't even have a philosophy class.
0: No, there was none when I was there. So, I'm assuming there was none when you were there. That's
2: right. And um, we're talking about. I think now schools had to run ethics classes in parallel to religious education classes. That didn't happen. Yeah, it was certainly proposed as a way to give students options, I think. And also, um, that would be a great way to introduce philosophy to students as well, is to um, work with the subject of ethics. Um, But to talk in terms of what got me into philosophy, because understandably, how does that happen in a a place that doesn't have philosophy? We had a really good literature teacher, Ian McHale. The great thing about McHale, I think, was um, he'd wander in... And he'd always have a bit to start the class with. So he's, one of his common bits was to pretend he's hanging up his coat on a hook and just let it fall to a floor. <laughs> yeah, he'd sit there. He'd be reading the newspaper going, what should I bet on for the horses? And he'd be like, well, I figured that out. You guys have to write an essay on Chekhov's cherry orchard and I'm going to mark it in the second half of o'clock or whatever, you know. And yeah, he just kind of drilled that in and somehow... Hmm. I think just his um, humour and his exacting marking, because he's like pretty serious. He's like, "Come on, take this seriously." Like in the comments, like really prepared me for like the higher ed stuff. I'm like, "Oh, this is good. This is what I want to do. I want to write an essay and have a position on something." I think that lit course kind kind of gave you that taste of philosophy, where you start to build your own argument and you start to um, write essays on particular topics of your choosing and have takes on it yourself and have critical takes on it that was um one late course that really opened me up i think to like uh you know a philosophical mindset hmm, um,
0: right that teacher is very important that inspires you when you're young to go into those areas
2: yeah yeah it was great actually i think you'll enjoy this so i think we're probably writing our fifth essay of the month on chekhov's cherry orchard um slicing it up getting ready for uh vce um and suddenly my friend uh ripped out some of his eyebrow hairs and smeared them on top of the the, the paper so the eyebrow hairs there i proceeded to get some tape and taped the eyebrow hairs down to the top of the uh paper of the essay so
0: why did he pull out his eyebrow hairs
2: it's an old boys' school. What do you, you want? Just to, yeah, you just was like, yeah, have some eyebrow hairs okay. on your on no, your page.
0: Yeah, you've answered the question.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and anyway, I annotate this at the top of my essay and say, My friend's are eyebrow hairs. Um, Mikhail I mean, this is the great thing about McHale and this is what also I think acclimatized me to essay writing and you and you know is you get the feedback he, he would annotate it he would write right back on the essay and um you know I think he just wrote right next to this taped down eyebrow hairs delight <laughs> delightful charming exclamation <laughs> like
0: <laughs> that sounds like what an English yeah, teacher would uh, yeah I don't know like. what he
2: saw in me to keep me <laughs> to keep me writing <laughs> honestly
0: So you you do teaching, yeah. What sort of things do you teach?
2: Things like classical philosophy, which does go over the ancient Greeks, um, logic and reasoning. Psych students were encouraged to do this as well because the kind of skills in it were very important for them to understand certain like statistical fallacies or something like that. What, what? Like um, a pretty common one is um, confusing correlation and cause. So. Um, how about I take an example? So, I've picked up a lollipop stick. It looks great. If I drop this, the universe will continue for another five minutes. Right. Yep. So, we'll come back and test that one.
0: Hang on. What are we testing? If it will continue?
2: Yeah, yeah. My claim is that um, the universe will continue... For another five minutes, thanks to me. All right,
0: so I'm just setting my stopwatch here.
2: <laughs> we should test this, yeah.
0: And when it ends, all right, the timer is set.
2: So we've got an experiment set up there, right? So my claim is the universe will continue existing because I've dropped this lollipop.
0: Well, this is now the tension is building.
2: I know, I know, I know. This is, this is the tension of the experiment. So
0: while we're waiting, I'm just going to ask you some other questions. What
2: What other areas... Do you teach? I've taught a couple of other history of philosophy units. I already mentioned one, classical philosophy, which kind of does go over the ancient Greeks. Um,
0: Do people find that interesting?
2: um, I'd sort of get to the interesting part because... You you heard
0: the way I asked the question. Yeah. Which is...
2: Skeptical. (laughs) Skeptical, right?
0: I mean, when I hear Plato, I'm like, oh.
2: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's fair enough, yeah. Um, Plato created all or really define sharply defined all these kind of sub disciplines of philosophy like ethics, um, epistemology, so how how do we know stuff? Ontology, what is there? Aesthetics, what is valuable, what is beautiful? Those sorts of fundamental questions are big long-standing conversations we've had and not just in greece but in india you know i've I've taught an asian philosophies course too similar kind of conversations and themes come up how
0: are you teaching that
2: asian philosophies just it's what you find interesting you've you this is a course offered at previously, until it got cut. Um, this was a course um, previously taught at my uh, university. And but you're
0: teaching that now?
2: Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's a course that's well-designed um, and can be picked up every every couple of years, I think, with the student cohorts there.
0: So what what got you into Asian philosophy?
2: It was part of my undergrad. Um, when When you go to university, you tend to get a broad spectrum of philosophy teaching, so not just Western, but also other cultures as well. And what is
0: it about Asian philosophy that interests you?
2: What interests me is how a lot of these conversations are shared that are almost like universal questions, no matter where you live. It's not just the Greeks, obviously. It's also the Indian cultures and Chinese cultures as well that have thought about these these questions. Uh, and perhaps even, um, hopefully in the future, Aboriginal ones too, that really actually properly study and cohere and teach um, their ways of knowing um, their their ethics and things like that um, because I think what we'll find as we teach these is that all the questions are in in common in some way the kind of existential questions
0: and what are some of those questions
2: well some of the questions that um, even Plato, I talked about before, that Plato asked, like, how do we know things? What is there? Uh, what What is existence? What, um, you know, um, what exists? Uh, how should I live? Um, I
0: find I think about some of these questions sometimes and it just hurts my head. <laughs> what were some of those again? Why?
2: How should I live?
0: Well, how should I live?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's tricky. I, I think the great thing about philosophy is it opens up your point of view. You don't have to... Oh! We're still here. I've...
0: I'll just stop this alarm. Right, so the time has gone off.
2: So, the results of our experiment... Yeah, what's going on? Seems to be true, right? The universe is still existing...
0: See, most people already know this because they're listening to the podcast and it was pre-recorded, which means that they knew it was going to still exist.
2: <laughs> that's true. We're in a bit of a paradox, huh? But, yeah, that, that's an example of um, confusing two correlated events as causally linked. Now, that's a very silly example, right? Now you just said yeah, a lot yeah. of words oh, there. Sorry. How, okay. What well, does that actually mean? So, um, <laughs> what, what we're trying to understand in science is, like, Particularly, like if you're diagnosing an illness, right? You look for symptoms, and you want to understand if the symptoms related to an illness or if it's just a coincidence. And if we're trying to understand a lot of things in the world, sometimes two events happen at the same time, but they may not be related.
1: What's this got to do with the lollipop?
2: Well, that's what I'm saying. We're making um, we're making um, inferences. So, with the lollipop. What I hypothesized in dropping the lollipop and the universe continuing to exist was actually a false correlation, right? And actually, it's, it's more complex than that. Um, so, it's committing the fallacy of confusing correlation with a cause. So, I'm, what I'm committing there as a fallacy, as an error in logical thinking, is assuming me dropping the lollipop has anything whatsoever whatsoever. To do with the universe continuing to exist it just is on the one hand it's implausible um, but there's another difficulty here too it's also
0: so if you hadn't dropped that lollipop at that precise time we wouldn't have continued to exist
2: well yeah that's what i was claiming right
0: did you believe that
2: no no (laughs) um and that that brings me to the kind of second part of the logical fallacy as well is that I've placed my hypothesis in a way that it can't be falsified. How do you falsify? How do you show that what I did was wrong or right?
0: I can't, but if you had believed it, this interview would have been over. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, there's always that, that argument too, right? Take it on faith. But in, in logic, um, we, we want to understand under what circumstances you could actually say something is false in as much as it is true because that's just as important as making a, tr- a true connection. We need to actually understand when it wouldn't be the case that me dropping the lollipop would not result in the universe ending. You know, um,
0: We see this a lot, obviously, today in politics, and I guess even in the world mm-hmm. in general, that people are making these claims that this equals this. Mm-hmm. Is that the point of that experiment or that yeah, idea I- in
2: logic? It's actually important to make, to observe correlations. It's actually just something that we do in everyday life. If someone knocks at the door, we assume there's someone there. This is just a correlation we commonly make and it's often correct. But when it gets into more obviously serious studies, when you're trying to understand the logic of a symptom of like an illness, you need to be sure that these connections are as rock solid as perhaps an everyday example, like knocking the door and someone's there. But even then, uh, there are circumstances where you can know that knocking at the door means that someone may not be there. Perhaps um, there's a case where you get ding-dong ditched, (laughs) for example, right? (laughs) Um, So you can imagine circumstances in which that correlation would be false. But it's very difficult with my lollipop example to understand, to comprehend actually, what it would mean for the universe to continue and not exist, how do you actually understand that being true? How do you actually confirm that you know?
0: Okay, this yeah. is this is going to be risky, but yeah, go ahead. How do we know the universe currently exists?
2: Yeah, yeah, um, because I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, I'm pretty sure too. How do we know we're real? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's very popular today. Is it Nick Bostrom? the philosopher that believes that we're all in a simulation you know Uh very much like the plot of matrix right um and i think there's a mathematical connection to that as well um but i really i mean there's really many ways to approach this question and the other the other thing about philosophy i think is also knowing when to give up on a question too okay Um, that's just as important, to know um, some questions or some hypotheses are dead ends.
0: Should we give up on the whole simulation thing, do you think?
2: I think so. Really, I, I do think so, because I think the consequences of that thinking are kind of a risky thing. Um, let's assume we are in a simulation and nothing matters, and then suddenly we pursue all avenues of environmental destruction and luxury and all these sort of unsustainable practices i mean the stakes are high if the simulation uh, hypothesis is wrong unless you really enjoy being in a dystopic simulation perhaps you know um yeah i think it's yeah it's a problematic claim
0: It has been hard to get an answer about what philosophy is and where it's useful and, you know... In general, yeah. In general. Yep. But I guess that's the point because philosophy is like an umbrella.
2: The mother of all sciences as is the classic right. <laughs> phrase. Um, yeah. Um, and, and indeed, you can very much, like... There are philosophies of various other, other kinds of things, even science, a philosophy of science as well.
0: When, When you... Are you on the same wavelength as as your friends? Tell me more, because I find I don't feel like I have much to contribute when talking to you. So I am more getting an education. So where where do you get your influence and education from? Who do you debate with? Who do you talk with? And Mm. do your that's what I mean by are your friends on the same wavelength? Um,
2: No, I mean I definitely definitely when it comes to thinking of. Um, politics and understanding what we need to do with regards to some of the topics I brought up um, my partner San is like absolutely integral there so I definitely talk about that but of course if I'm going into obscurities about um, Plato which you may not have, may not have read I guess that's what I'm talking yeah, about. yeah that's right I have friends that have read Plato which is thankfully uh, I have enough of them <laughs> and uh, so in a, in this way philosophy has that cosmopolitan, feel, um, kind of what you are talking about before, right, mother of all sciences oh well I brought that up but I
0: was going to say, I don't remember saying no, that but, but th- th- uh,
2: I think you said th- the umbrella, it's kind of an umbrella um, it is kind of an umbrella discipline you could say, which means you can talk to a lot of people and I think you can bring your critical thinking to bear on any topic if you understand the arguments and the, assu- the, the claims and assumptions that are happening there, yeah I mean, I think a lot of my friends are, tend to be in the education sector that being said i do have some like high school friends and stuff like that as well that i'll you know i think it's just one of those things that we're um uh just to go back to plato we're really ringing that bell but um there's a a dialogue by plato called the symposium and symposiums are drinking parties basically um and so uh philosophy tends to come out not while drunk but it's a good way to talk about philosophy is to celebrate to gather together and have a good time have a party and these sorts of conversations I think are where philosophy kind of prospers
1: Special thanks to Ben Numquam And before I finish the rest of the credits, I want to mention a podcast called The Volume Knob. The show is hosted by my new Canadian friend, Keith Serry, and he talks to his guests about the songs that saved their life, and I can't recommend it enough. Keith spoke to me about the song that almost ended my life, Poor Juddy's Dead, and you can find a link to the episode in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe. Music by Ryan Goodwin. Check out his other music at virtuallyryan.com. Additional material written by Anne Murison. Editing by the hard-working Ricky Cheno. Our logo is designed by Chris Frith. And thanks to H Studios for the use of their studios. I'm Ben Plaza, and this is 20 Square Blocks. Hello, listener to 20 Square Blocks. My name is Keith Siri. And I'm the host of a podcast called The Volume Knob. If you like 20 Square Blocks, I think you might like my show too. The Volume Knob is about personal stories and the power of music. Every week I ask a different guest to describe the story of the song that saved their life. I'd like to think that the results are stories that are not only about music, but about the powerful emotions that music brings. Volume Knob stories are thought-provoking.
0: The word mom is really loaded. I don't know. It's just my relationship to it is really complicated.
1: Humorous. I'd be I'd be there pretending I was Stanley Kubrick, kind of rolling my eyes, being like, "Clearly, my film is more important than Jonathan cleaning his room." And sometimes a little heartbreaking. Because I was really kind of surprised at how much it affected me. I mean, not that I didn't expect to be sad, but it really—it was a real gut punch. You can download the Volume Knob at www.volumenob.net or wherever you get your podcasts. And feel free to follow us on Twitter at Knob one that's the number one, or on Instagram at volume underscore knob.